Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from November 15th by Pastor Randy, titled Branches and Sticks, Part 3. Alright, so we've been in, been looking through John 15, where Jesus uses a, a metaphor, a word picture, to help us understand some things, to help us apply some things, to help us live out some things. And the word picture he gives us is, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And that helps us understand who we are and, and what we should do. It helps us understand our relationship to him. That as a Christian... Everything depends upon that. Everything depends upon our relationship with Him. And without that connection, without His life flowing through us, there's nothing. Nothing's going to get produced. Nothing's going to happen. So everything depends upon this connection right here. But what we know, what we experience, and what we see is that it's so easy to drift away from this. And what happens is a person at a time in their life or a generation will come to have a strong connection to God. And then either over time or another generation, all of a sudden that sort of faded away. And so they'll just sort of live off the residue of that connection for a while. They'll they'll, they'll see everything maybe through or they'll have a relationship with God, but it'll be filtered through somebody else's connection with God if it goes through a generation. And then if time continues to pass and you continue to drift, What happens then is that you no longer want to do the work to have this connection. Instead, you'll look for for games and gimmicks to sort of pretend you have the connection, just sort of make it through life as if you have that connection. You'll get involved in counterfeits and substitutes. Because here's what I know and here's what you know. The further away you get from this, the worse things get. When you get away from that strong connection to Jesus, to to our Lord and Savior, things just sort of spiral down into a powerless Christianity, into tolerated sins, and into counterfeits and substitutes. We've got a whole generation of young people right now that have walked away from the church. What Theo says, I'm not sure I still believe that anymore. And these are people who grew up in church. They know all the stories. They heard them all. But they have walked away from the faith. Because they don't see this anymore. All they see is is counterfeits and substitutes and hypocrisy and things like that. And they don't want any part of that whatsoever. It's not that atheism looks appealing to them. It's just they never see the real thing. And they haven't. All they see is what happens when people lose the real thing. That's all that's been modeled for them. So what we need to understand, what we need to, uh, to, to realize is how desperately we need this. How desperately we need this connection to God. How desperately we need this relationship. Because when this is there, When this is there, the love flows. The forgiveness flows. 
The joy flows. The holiness flows. Why? Because you're connected to the, to the, to the vine. It's His life flowing through you, and it's appealing. People look at that and they go, I want some of that. And when that's not there, nobody looks up and goes, I want some of that Christianity with that sort of hypocrisy and, and that counterfeit stuff, and that substance. No, that, that doesn't look appealing to anybody. And that's why many have left the church. And so, when you drift away from this connection, what you wind up with is religion. And there's a big difference between a real connection and a religion. Let's look at a couple of those. First difference is this. Religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. Religion focuses on the appearance, how things look. This is more, as Christine demonstrated, this is more about the heart, about what's going on, on the inside. Secondly, Religion will try to get people to close the gap between them and the Holy God with outward human efforts, with religious acts. That's what religion will try to do. We see this so many times in the New Testament with the Pharisees. They were all about putting on a show, right? They would get out on street corners and just start praying. Not because it grew out of a connection, but because it grew out of their desire to put on a show of religion and let everybody see how, how religious they were. And then they would put on this show, and then they would turn right around and take advantage of widows. They'd turn right around, and you'd see the, the, the greed that they had in their life, and they'd turn right around and put laws on people to carry out that they wouldn't even do themselves. Because that's what a religion does. And thirdly, Religion complicates what God made simple. Religion complicates what God made simple. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, how many rules did they have? One. What was it? You don't eat that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because God wanted to keep good things from you? No, because God wanted to keep you away from what was going to steal your life. God wanted to keep you away from what was going to take all his blessings away from you. What religion has done, religion has complicated what God made very simple. And when you lose sight of that, when you lose sight of this, you know what happens? You get stuck with a bunch of rules. Paul makes this point in Galatians chapter 5 where he talks about your freedom in Christ. He says, your freedom in Christ grows out of a love for one another. Let me put it this way. If we had a love for one another, if we really loved each other, we'd have all this freedom. But because we don't, we've got rules. Why is there a speed limit sign on the street out here that you can only go 25 miles an hour? See, if you loved each other, you'd go, hey, there may be kids coming out. There may be cars pulling out. So I better not go 55 down Columbine. I think I better go 25. So the reason we have rules is because of our love for one another. And when people lose that love, they got to add rules. So now we got rules and laws and law, all these rules and laws coming out. Why? Because we don't love each other. You wouldn't have to put a rule, don't go three, well, can't go that fast anyway. Don't go 120 miles an hour down the Seward Highway. You just wouldn't do it. 
Let me give you a little bit of history. After Israel came back from captivity in Babylon, they built the temple, rebuilt the temple, and they rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. And once they got that done, they said, we never want to go back into captivity again. And they said to themselves, the reason we were in captivity, for them it was because they broke God's rules. That's what they, that's what, that was their focus, because they broke God's rules. So they, we don't want to break God's rules anymore. So let's say this represents God's rules. What they did is they made all these other rules. They made over 600 other rules, 65 rules just about the Sabbath day. And so they were called fence laws. So they're just like a big fence to keep you from breaking these other laws right here. And they passed these down from generation to generation. They were just passed down orally till about the 3rd century when they said, hey, we might forget these if we don't write them down. So they wrote them down and they put them in a book called, anybody for extra credit know what that was called? Mishnah. Over 800 pages of laws in this. So Jesus comes along. And they're used to the rabbis, they'd have their oral tradition, they'd part, they'd pass around, they'd say, Jesus, where's your list? Where's your list of laws? He says, I don't have a list. You were never good at keeping a list anyway. See, for them, it was all about religion and rules and lists. Not this. They didn't focus on, oh, we lost this. They said, oh, the reason that we were so out of whack was because we just didn't keep the rules. They completely forgot about this. Genuine Christianity never has been keeping a set of rules. Never. Never. Jesus didn't come on the cross and live down here, didn't, didn't come live here on earth down on the cross just to give us a model to live by, although that's a great model. And he didn't do it, he, he didn't do it uh, just to die on the cross for us and for our sins, although that's part of it. But he did this why? So he could live in us, be in and have this connection. So it wasn't just to give his life for us, it's to give his life to be in us. And when we lose sight of this, we want to make Christianity about religion and rules. How many of you grew up in a church thinking it's all about don't do these rules, no, don't do these things, rules, don't, don't do the filthy five or the nasty nine or terrible ten or dirty dozen? Because our religion is the same. Our religion is, is the same. You ought to, you don't, and you're toast. That's our religion. And that's, that's the world that Jesus came into. So, don't approach Christianity like it's religion. It's not. It centers around the person of Jesus. Because it's all about this connection. You see, what got the first century Christians in, in trouble was not because they had a, a few little another religion or a few rules. They didn't care. They had a bunch of religion and rules. They didn't care if there was another one around. It didn't bother them at all. But what got them in trouble was that they were totally committed to a person that Rome said they had killed. And for them, it was all about the person Jesus who came back from the dead. So we read this in Galatians 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? 
Are you so foolish having begun in your Christian life knowing it's all about the connection and now thinking it's about what you do? Three questions I want to ask you derived from this verse. They all have the same answer. Question number one, why would you want to make Christianity about keeping a set of rules after you got delivered from that? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to spend another minute involved in religion that can't help you stay away from sin, that can't help you get the blessings of God? Why would you want to spend another minute in that when you can have a relationship and have His life flow through you? Why would you want to do that? Second question, why is keeping a set of rules so appealing? That's easy. Because a lot of time for people, it's a lot easier to make Christianity about religion, keeping a set of rules, than it is about connecting to Him. In other words, it's a lot easier to make it about doing something rather than trusting and surrendering to someone. See, it's been over 160 years since there's been a great movement of God in our country. When people wholesale went back to this connection. And so what's happened is the further away we've gotten from this, the more Christianity has evolved around this over here. That's what happened in Jesus' day. 400 years since they'd seen this connection, since they understood what a connection is about. So when Jesus arrived, they had no clue. And people who want to make Christianity in the following set of rules, here's what's happened to them. It's, it's, this is what I see just from experience. This is just what I know, just what I've seen. People who want to make Christianity about keeping a set of rules, they wind up being, number one, trapped by sin. They wind up being judgmental. They wind up being hypocritical. And the rules that they do keep will make them proud. And the rules they don't keep, they will either dumb them down or if they, if they don't dumb them, dumb, dumb them down, uh, what, what, what they will do is they'll find some sort of loophole so that they feel good about themselves. There's a big difference between having a real connection and following a set of rules. And why would you want to do this that leads to being trapped by sin and hypocrisy and, 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 and judgmentalism rather than having this which leads to the life of God flowing through you? Why would you want to do that? Jesus didn't come and die on a cross so we could have a set of rules and a checklist. He came so that his life may begin to flow through us, that we might have this connection. Third question, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it mean? If you go back to chapter 3, verse 3, he says, after having begun by the Spirit, being begun by the Spirit or led by the Spirit. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit or to be begun by the Spirit? Now, we've been over this before. What does this mean to be led by the Spirit? Or to have begun in the Spirit is how he puts it in Romans 3, 3. To understand what this means, this is one of those things where it's very good for us to understand what's the opposite of this. So what's the opposite of being led by the Spirit? It's written down for you. It's right here. All right, let's look at it. Galatians 5.18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
See, that verse right there, this is one that every Christian ought to have in back of their mind all day long. All the time. Because the moment, the moment you lose sight of this, you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to say to yourself, I need to be a good Christian today. I need to, to wash my mouth a little bit more. I need to, to, to not lust so much. I need to stop being angry so much. The minute you stop thinking about this, you will wind up over here. And some days you'll get up thinking, I just need to be a better Christian. And if we were putting you on a, on a scale of grading you, you might make a solid C, a 75% of that. You made a 75. You just, made a, you, you just did a pretty good effort, a fair effort that day on, on being a good Christian. The next day, maybe you get an 85. Maybe you got a good solid B. Now, I don't know about you, but I was real happy when I got a B in class in school a lot of times. And you felt pretty good about yourself. Some days, oh, a 45. Oh, didn't have a good day. Some days you may wake up and it's a 90. Probably because you had to isolate yourself and you couldn't be around. Who knows what it was? If you had to quarantine or what, that you had such a good day. But it doesn't matter if you make that 45 or the 90 at the end of the day. You're still not going to quite measure up. And there's going to probably be a little bit of guilt and feel a little bit more condemned. But there's a big difference between being led by the Spirit and living under the law. Huge difference. See, let's take this over here first. Living under the law, that's about being committed to something. I'm going to keep these rules. I'm committed to keeping these rules. This is about being connected to someone. There's a big difference between being connected to someone and being committed to something. There is nothing intimate or personal about this right here. But there's something very intimate and very personal about this. The difference between living under the law and being led by the Spirit is the difference between me giving you directions to go somewhere and me asking you to follow me somewhere. If after church today I say, okay, meet me at my house in 15 minutes, here's a map. Your attention is going to be on the map. But if I say, hey, meet me at my house in a few minutes, follow me, then your, your attention is going to be on me. Every day, you have to remember that the invitation when you get up is to do this, to be connected, to be led by the Spirit, and not do that. Every day. You say, good morning, Lord. It's not about being a better Christian. It's about being connected to you. I want this connection. Because here's the thing right here. It's easy to drift away. It's easy to drift away. See, this scares me to drift away. Because what I fear is I fear one day I'll wake up and, and, and I'll need just to know God is there. I'll need to know that I can trust Him. I need to know that I can depend upon Him. I need to know that whatever I'm going through, whatever comes my way, whatever happens, that He's got me. I've got this connection. And, and I fear waking up one day, and I've drifted away from this, and it's just not there. I fear having drifted away from this and having some dark part of my life just sort of take over, and all of a sudden sin has taken over my life. I fear having drifted away from this because I've seen it happen to so many committed people. 
They start making their lives all about the rules, all about the law, and, and they have forgotten what it's like just to be with Him and to be in His presence. I fear getting away from this, drifting away from this, because it's so subtle. Nobody, you can't notice it. People could have been drifted away from this for years, and nobody, nobody notices, nobody sees that. Revelation. Write to the angel of church in Ephesus. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your endurance, and that you, have t- and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first, otherwise I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You may think that a church or a person who's gotten away from this, you may think they might not be very well taught. They just don't have any desire to do the things of God. They may be borderline cult, may not have godly leaders. But no, this church had everything going for it. They persevered. They hang in there when things were going tough. They had godly leaders. They had sound doctrine. But they had just drifted away from what it meant to have a real connection. Now, I want you to understand and, and, and to, make, to get this in here, how easy that is to happen. So let's look at this. Let's look at this. Drifted away from this. Let's look at this through the analogy of a marriage, because this is something you'll all understand. Okay. Year one in a marriage. Honey, is that a cough? You need to get to the doctor right away. And you see the doctor, then you come home and you rest up, and I'll stop and get us dinner from your favorite Italian restaurant and bring it home. Year number two. Honey, maybe you're getting the sniffles. Why don't I stop by the pharmacy and pick up some medicine for you, and I'll stop by McDonald's and get takeout on the way back home. Year number three. Honey, you sure are coughing a lot. I'll tell you what, rather than just making a huge meal tonight, why don't you just make me a sandwich and bring it to me while I watch the game on TV? Year number four. Boy, you're not sounding good at all. Be realistic. After you finish the laundry, put the kids in bed, just order pizza, then you need to get some rest. Year number five. Why don't you go gargle or something rather than barking like a seal because I can't even hear the game. <laughs> and it happens. We know how that happens in a marriage. Now listen, nobody in church is going to stand up and say, I've lost my love for God, I just drifted away from that, but it happens all the time. And here's the thing. What we need to understand, let me back up here. What we need to understand is this. See the last part of this verse? I come to you and remove your lamp. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstands from this place unless you repent. So what he is saying is that when you drift away from this, it's a fatal flaw. 
It's like me telling you, boy, Alaska Airlines has this new airplane out. It's great. I just flew on it. It has these extra room and seats. They almost fully recline. You have your own entertainment system. They even got like a chef on board to cook meals for you. I would fly this airline just to take a break. Just to have, I just want to fly them all the time. If I just need a break, I just want to get on a plane and go. But there's only one problem. Their engine's been known to fail. It's a fatal flaw. It's like going to the doctor. He says, well, your blood pressure's good. Your cholesterol level's good. Your sugar level's good. Just found a little lump on your brain. But, eh, everything else is great, though. No, that lump on the brain gets his complete attention. Why? Because that's a fatal flaw. And that's what he's saying here. If you don't get this straight, if you don't get back to what it means to have this connection to God, it's a fatal flaw. Now, if you found yourself drifted away from what it means to, to just want to be with our Lord and Savior, to just enjoy His presence, to just seek after Him, if you've drifted away from that, it's not that you couldn't have come back. You could have come back any time. It's just you chose not to. Look what he says, the first part. Remember then how far you've fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come remove. I, you're, to, you're done. So the first thing he says, you want to come back? You need to remember, what was it like to be in his presence? What was it like just to wake up and want to be with him? What was it like to go through your day and just stop and go, oh, God, thank you? During the gospel, one of the Gospels, in, well, it's in Luke. Jesus is, is over at a Pharisee's house named Simon. And this prostitute comes and begins to wash his feet with her, with her with his hair and tears and hair and all that. And, and Simon's put off by that. So Jesus gives a little parable. And here's, here's the end result. He says this. This is the important part. He says, people who are forgiven much, love much. People who are forgiven little, love little. And the idea is that we're all those who've been forgiven much. And when you understand how much you've forgiven, in other words, he's saying, you remember what God has done for you, what he is, how he's forgiven you all your sins. When you remember that, you're going to want to connect. You're going to love much. The second thing he says is to repent. Why does he say repent? Because when you get away from this, it's a sin. Some of you, you need to hear that. When you get away from this, it's a sin. And as I tell people all the time, you're not going to get rid of a sin you don't hate. And then third, he says to redo. Redo the works you did at first. Remember how you just get up in the morning, you go just to be with him. Remember how you might just stop in a day and open up the Word and say, God, I just want to spend some time with you. You know, speak to me through your Word. And you do all things just to be with Him. Then we get to verse 7. This is when things change. Because you don't notice this depending on your version. You may not notice it in, in the English version. But in the Greek, it's very specific. He stops just talking to the church. Because all these letters are to the church. But here he stops talking to the church, and he starts talking to individuals. And here in the Christian Standard Bible, it's pretty clear. It says, let anyone, anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So he stops talking to the church as a whole, and he says, look, 
If you have ears to hear, listen, listen. And he starts talking to individuals. In other words, if nobody else gets this, that's fine. You better get this. If people in your small group, if people in your church, the people of your home or whatever, they don't get this, you need to get this, is what he's saying. See, what you need to understand on the final exam, when come that judgment day, God's not going to ask us so much what you do. He's going to ask, who did you love? Our biggest problem is that we don't realize when we don't have this, that that's our biggest problem. Here's what you need to understand. Before you have a Bible to read, before you have a prayer to pray, before you have a good deed to do, you have a Savior to be loved. You have someone to connect to. Because if you don't do that, nothing. Without being connected to the vine, nothing. Nothing. So, why would you want to spend the rest of your life or end up at the end of your life having regrets because you did this, you made Christianity to just rules, religion, and laws and stuff to keep. And you allowed your connection to Christ just to erode away. You don't want to be there. And I'm sorry if for so long that maybe you haven't even seen what a real connection looks like. I am sorry if people like me doing what I do haven't put enough emphasis on this and, 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 and said, look, let, let's, let's talk about this stuff over here. But until we desire to have this, there will never be a real change in our culture till we as a church understand what this is all about. Things won't change. And we'll never be, as you hear me say quite often, we'll never be corporately what we're not individually. It has to start with us. So, where are you at as far as this connection is concerned? Not how you see yourself, but what's your desire? Do you have that desire just to be with Him? Whenever you run across a bump in your life, do you go, oh God, I know I can trust you. Whenever things don't go the way you plan in life, do you go, God, I'm so glad I just have you because I know that I'm in your hands. I know I have this strong relationship, God. I know nothing's going to ultimately harm me. But I've got peace even in the midst of difficulties. Why? Because I've got this connection. I promise you, you have this, nothing's going to upset you. I don't care if you're going through cancer. I don't care if you're going through bankruptcy. I don't care if you're going through broken relationships. This is strong. You will be okay. In fact, people will look at you and they'll go, wow, here you are and you're about to die. And you're putting the attention on God. It's not about you. It's about Him. That's what we're called to do. 
because Jesus didn't come just to give his life for us. He came to give his life to be in us, to have this connection. Don't turn your back on that. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.